Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Really excited for today's episode. For those of you who are interested in fantasy football, and it is definitely a growing number of you, um, this is going to be an awesome treat. We've got Danny Kelly, who is the Ringers fantasy football kind of resident expert, but they've got a great group of uh, fantasy football experts over there at the Ringer. Um, he is going to stop by and just kind of break down a lot of the fantasy angles for this Falcons team. So it is going to be pretty heavily um, oriented Falcons wise. You know, we know that's that's kind of the lean of this podcast in particular. So if you want general fantasy um, information, I would encourage you to check out any of the great fantasy shows that we have on the Believe Podcast Network or go find uh, Danny's stuff over at The Ringer. Um, and check them out. We will have some more general kind of fantasy advice uh, at the very tail end of our conversation, but it's just really, really good stuff um, across the board. And Danny is somebody who I who I really respect. This is the second time that we've done it with him, and I, I hope that you guys really uh, enjoy this conversation. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Winner Live Tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I am very excited to be joined now by the Ringers, Danny Kelly, an absolute fantasy football guru over there <laughs> and part of the awesome Ringer fantasy football show. Danny, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. No problem. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, it's the preseason, which means that I'm excited the football's back, but I'm also so ready for the preseason to be over. So <laughs> it's that annual kind of like conflux yeah. of emotions that mm-hmm. I'm feeling this time of year, but... Yeah, I'm ra- I'd rather it be closer than further away. So. It feels like the Sunday scaries to me. It's like this <laughs> Sunday before going back to work or whatever. The season is obviously kind of a long grind, but also very fun. So I have this yep. weird mix of emotions. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready for the regular season to get going. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, the first day of school is is the next day. <laughs> and you're kind of like, I'm really excited to see all my friends again, to see what the new year brings. But like, man, I really don't want school to come back yeah, in summer exactly. to end. <laughs> so that's that's exactly what uh what it feels like right now. But we are here to talk about, you know, something where hope does spring eternal, and that is fantasy football. And, you know, after going from all your your great draft work, you just totally change gears and get right into fantasy football. The Falcons, <laughs> yeah. maybe not a prime team when it comes to a, a bunch of fantasy football prospects, but there are a couple. And mm-hmm. 
Notably, this is this same podcast a year ago is where I called my shot for Cordero Patterson. So that that is good. Maybe we're nice. going to get a little good bit call. more, a little one more gem out of this uh, this one this year. <laughs> so let's just dive right into it and start with kind of the the main relevant dude here, and that's Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah. Finished last year as the tight end seven. You guys have him ranked at the ringer as your tight end three. Uh, you know, just real quickly, what what are kind of your big overview expectations for Kyle Pitts? I mean, honestly, he has elite, elite ceiling. I think that's the cool part about him. And that's why I'm not even remotely afraid to take him. In fact, I'm excited to take him in like the third round um, of like a regular setting draft just because he has uh, arguably the most talent of any tight end in the NFL at this point. I mean, obviously, I'm a big believer in Travis Kelsey, but he's, you know, over 30 now, potentially slowing down, potentially not playing quite as many snaps and and all that stuff. Um, whereas Pitts is ascending. He, to me, feels like the next version of Travis Kelsey in the fantasy world, in the NFL world. You know, he's like in, in Dynasty, which I'm a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. He really much, he, he he feels like the next Kelsey where he's going to be like either tight end two or tight end one for the next like 10 years. So um, I think that we're baking in a little bit of uncertainty around the offense, around the quarterback situation. Um, and, you know, conservative, we have him at tight end three behind Mark Andrews and Kelsey. But like at the end of the day, I would not be surprised if he scores 10 touchdowns, he could be the tight end one. Let's say somebody wants to take him first tight end off the board in yeah. there, you know, early in the second round or something like that, where we're seeing, you know, maybe Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews come off the board. What would be your reasons in support of that decision? And then what would be some of the comments that you may have to dissuade somebody who is just gung ho on this is the year <laughs> of Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I, I would say this for the support thing, like everything I just said, plus they're going to be funneling. I think the Falcons will funnel a lot of targets to him. You know what I mean? And they're going to move him around the formation. In theory, hopefully they get him involved a little bit more in line and lining up against linebackers because he can really just dominate in those types of matchups. Last year, we saw him line up outside a lot. And, you know, corners are just better in coverage than linebackers. And so <laughs> kind of getting him over the middle of the field, uh, particularly on like play action shots down the seam, things like that. I think they could really benefit from that type of usage. And it sounds like they're starting to use him a little bit more based on like the small sample we've seen in preseason. So um, that I think is one thing, you know, maybe Mariota, Marcus Mariota has a better season than everyone is expecting. I think that that is in the realm of possibility for sure. He's looked really sharp in the Mm -hmm. preseason as has Ritter. And so um, I think that there's a, there's definitely a world in which the quarterback play is better. The offense is better. And the usage is a little bit better for Kyle Pitts to emerge as the tight end one. I think that, there's a lot of scenarios in which Mark Andrews could have a regression this year based on his target rate, um, you know, his touchdown rate, all that stuff. And then, of course, Kelsey is just, you know, the the, the age cliff is always looming with uh, a guy right. his age. And so, um, there, like, like I said, there's a realistic scenario in which he's the tight end one. It wouldn't really surprise me all that what all that much. Um, on the other hand, like that, the I guess the the bear case, I guess, is that. Um, he that, that number one, Kelsey is now in an offense with nobody else. And so Travis uh, Mahomes is just going to force feed Travis Kelsey. He's going to have really, really high target rate. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. It's a good offense still. Um, and that's an easy way for Kelsey to finish ahead of Kyle Pitts. And that would maybe, you know, you're not getting quite as much value as you want with Pitts taking him ahead of those other guys. And then with Mark Andrews, again, same deal. A lot of the offense gets funneled through him. Um Lamar Jackson didn't play for a good chunk of last year. He still is a tight end one. If, if, if Jackson plays this whole year, this offense is better. They score more touchdowns. They run more plays. Um, you know, there's, there's a, 
potential there for Mark Andrews to completely go off. So I think that's like the reasoning we have to think about when we put tight, uh, Kyle Pitts at tight end three. Um, you know, but like in in examining sort of the range of outcomes with them, like I love any of these top three guys, and I, I could see them kind of come in any different order uh, at the end of the day. But I, I do love Pitts. Like it's a talent. He's ascending. You know, he's honestly one of the most exciting young players in the NFL. Like full stop. <laughs> I I totally agree, and he has looked really really impressive so far in training camp. And yeah. you know, had a 52 yard catch that. The most impressive thing about that catch was the way he got past the defender, not really the catch because <laughs> yeah. it's a super, super easy catch. But uh, it sounds more like it, you're buying the upside on the other two tight ends, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, rather than, you know, any negative that Kyle Pitts presents. It's just that yeah. there's a lane for them to have just massive target share and they've already proven that they can do it at that highest level. So right. potentially the upside is just a little higher with those guys. But New quarterback situation, obviously, in Atlanta, and that is the big question mark with this offense. How much are you guys factoring that into kind of your uh, projection for what Kyle Pitts can do? And you yeah. just mentioned, like, he's one of the most exciting young players. Like, when, when you look at Jamar Chase, you're like, but there's Joe Burrow. You know, when you look at yeah. Mike Williams, he's got Justin Herbert. This is one of the weirder scenarios where it's like you've got a great young talent who should, by all accounts, break out but just a massive question mark at quarterback. Yeah. I think like the big thing is, and when you're making fantasy projections or rankings or whatever, it's like, yeah, you have, you do have to think about those things. Yeah. I mean, obviously he, I'm very enticed by the talent and overall just ability that he has, but um, the Falcons, I think finished, I'm looking at their stats right now, 26th in the NFL in points last year. And that was with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> like, you have to factor in the number of points they're going to score the yards, the plays, all of which they were like bottom five in last year, yeah. Falcons. And so, um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like fantasy is a volume game and you have to consider the amount of volume he's going to get. And it's also impossible to ignore the fact that he only had one touchdown last year. Like odds are he's going to re- <laughs> positively re- regress and and score more touchdowns. He's he's due to. Um, but like in an offense that, that goes down and, and plays fewer plays, gets into the red zone less, more three and outs more turnovers. Um, you know, that's kind of the type of thing you have to bake into these projections and, and you have to have sort of a downside to downside possibility that like the offense kind of holds him back. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that all makes a lot of sense. Sorry. I, I, we keep saying positive regression, just writ large, like in the <laughs> football world. Yeah. And I, every time I hear that, I just think like, isn't a positive regression is don't we have a word for that and it's just called progression like isn't that what we should all just be right. saying is that that he's progressing like it, a, I, I don't know it sounds not, like an oxymoron know. for sure um <laughs> right. so but it, it, I, I, it's like actually a thing positive regression it's a thing. I, know. I don't know <laughs> it's just so yeah it's one of those weird quirks of language um but yeah I, I think he's i think he's definitely on a mission this year to finish with more touchdowns. I think he's going to finish with more touchdowns. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm very bullish on on Kyle Pitts. But again, yeah, it's it's workload and it's how much volume can this offense sustain. Um, right. But somebody who got a lot of the volume last year is Cordero Patterson. Finished as the running back nine, which I actually could not believe going back and, and kind of doing these notes yeah. for this podcast. He finished ahead of Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones, which is wild. These, these are half-point PPR mm-hmm. um, rankings that I'm looking at. But are people buying high on Cordero Patterson? Is he coming off of obviously the best year, most productive year? And therefore, is he going to be a little overrated for what we think his production could be in 2022? Uh, he, to me, is so difficult to 
figure out. Like he is an enigma in the fantasy world because a lot depends on how they utilize him. I'm sure, you know, like, are they going to have him be sort of a early down grinder type running back where you're getting him like (laughs) running in between the tackles? Are you going to try and get him involved in the passing game? Um, you know, can he stay healthy? These are all questions that kind of come to my mind first off with Cordell Patterson. Then, of course, like the offense, all the all the questions about the offense that we just addressed uh, also apply to him. And so um, he's one of the guys where I probably should have him a lot higher. But there's just a lot of, I guess, questions about him from usage to uh, negative regression in terms of like the n- number of uh, points he scores and touchdowns he scores and overall just his age and things like that. Like it all just kind of scares me. So um, he could be one of those players. I end up like regretting not ranking higher um, because based on <laughs> yeah. obviously what he did last year was like incredible. Um, but there's also like, to me, this guy Patterson is, is sort of one of those players that screams regression in a negative way. And so um, just a little bit worried about that. Yeah, I I do wonder to what degree was he just such a surprise early on last year that the defenses weren't really prepared for what he could do. And so he benefited a little bit, you know, catching some teams sleeping. Uh, And then obviously he did regress as the season went along. They have pretty much not used him at all throughout camp. Uh, You know, in fact, basically he'll get he'll get a carry and then he runs over and signs autographs with the fans, which is awesome and hilarious. And I think more players (laughs) should should just do that during camp because why not? But given that, you know, he's probably going to be fresher than he's ever been coming into a season, is he a great candidate to maybe draft knowing that you could sell potentially even higher, even though we are saying that, you know, they're probably buying high based on what he should do in the totality of the season. But is he a a strong candidate to say, if he has a great four games, I can flip him and maybe pick up, you know, two guys to bolster two other positions on my roster like is that somebody that you'd be interested in for that reason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just looks like a great value overall. Um, and that's a big reason why. Like you could potentially, if he goes off a bunch early in the season, if you're worried about his, um, you know, injury history or whatever, the age thing, like, you know, him regressing. Because didn't he have like a high ankle sprain last year and that kind of dragged him down towards the second half of the season? Yeah. Um, and so that's obviously a big factor. You know, injuries always kind of factor in here. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I I'm so confused, like, and, and, and like curious how they're going to use him, you know, like, is there, <laughs> have you guys gotten any indication? Is he like the starting running back or is he sort of a, he, so he Devo should Samuel be guy or I don't like, I don't know. Like it's hard, hard to figure out. Yeah. The, the real, the real thing here that, that I'm trying to, to figure out because I, I think he's going to have similar to uh, the same volume role that he yeah. had last year where he's going to be on the field for a lot of snaps, even, you know, whether that's a wide receiver or kind of a, your de facto starting running back back there. Mm-hmm. But the Falcons, I think, given the mobility that they now have at the quarterback position, you're going to see a lot more of these play action bootlegs. And yep. is he the running back that's then selling that play action? Because that kind of takes him out, you know, of the play a little bit. Is he, you know, a, the thing about the Arthur Smith offense is when they do that play action, they like to take deep shots. They like to go yeah. deep. I don't know if Cordero Patterson is your best kind of deep threat so where does he fall in the hierarchy of the route tree like these are a lot of questions that i think the mobility at quarterback that the falcons have now bring up that weren't necessarily in place last year so i'm right there with you i don't know exactly how they plan to use him he (laughs) could be a huge volume guy or he could be a huge efficiency guy who doesn't have the volume to really sustain like a flex role in fantasy 
I just, yeah, and it's like halfway through the year, they sort of stopped using him as a receiver, it seems like. I'm just looking at his game logs here. There was one game he had 14 carries and nine targets. Like that to me is, that's like <laughs> the fantasy dream, you know? Heck yeah. Um, but then as the year went on, like his his targets definitely re- declined, um, you know, like five five two 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 one until the end yep. of the year. So, um, yeah, it, it man, it, he's just so tough. Like there's so <laughs> there's such a wide range of outcomes with him. Um, I still clearly am a believer in his talent. He's like such an explosive dynamic player. He's so fun to watch. But um, yeah, I just think that the reason the reason he's lower on our rankings, certainly than he finished last year, is just all those all those like question marks and the variables that are going into this. Yeah, and I should mention he's he's running back 32 on on your list, 86th overall, which, you know, sounds about right. Like I think if you're getting him in in around that spot, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round. That feels feels pretty solid for his upside, but also yeah. good value for the potential downside there. I still I still like the draft and, and trade strategy if you are targeting him. So I think he's going to come out pretty hot. But somebody else who I know that you are high on having listened to a bunch of the fantasy fantasy shows um, over the summer, Drake London, right? Yeah. Rookie rookie receiver, uh, first receiver taken in the draft. Um, you know, I, I really loved, uh, you and Ben Solik going back and forth kind of during the pre-draft episode with, uh, with your, re- <laughs> yeah. or with your receivers. So that was fun. But tell me a little bit about why you are high on Drake London. And we've seen rookie receivers now really kind of explode in recent years as they've, yeah. you know, just look more comfortable coming in the NFL. Is Drake London in the right situation to explode from a fantasy perspective in year one? I think so. I mean, obviously it helps that he's coming into a pass catching core that is, you know, doesn't have anyone else essentially other than Kyle Pitts. <laughs> like I, I was going to say bereft of talent, but that's like maybe a little harsh. Like it's just, there's not any much proven, um, you know, there's not much proven production there from the guys that are like projected to be starters. Obviously it kind of depends on how you define because the, the, the Falcons offense is so cool that Coral Patterson and Kyle Pitts are both, sort of receivers like more like de facto yeah. receivers um but at the end of the day yeah he's coming in and he's the he's the number one guy like right away from the receiver actual point of view and so um i think he comes into a good situation uh i think that the offense that they're gonna run actually fits him pretty well too like he's good after the catch he, he was surprisingly yep. good after catching college for being a big guy broke a lot of tackles for usc um he can catch uh he's very good like contested situations in the red zone um good hands you know the questions about his speed i think will be mitigate mitigated a little bit by the fact that he's getting um you know getting into these routes and getting downfield and he's able to like kind of get up speed and go down and, and get up like to full plane you know rather than trying to get open really quickly and you know right. whatever I, I do think he can separate but like that like that big question mark around him coming into the draft and and um going into the season is sort of mitigated by the fact that they're gonna be doing so much of that play action stuff and it's i, I think that really benefits him and so um yeah, I think he he like if you look at the last five, six years, like almost always you see a rookie receiver or two or three breaking into the top twenty-four in fantasy. Like it's almost like a given now that one or two or three of these guys is gonna be like a big name fantasy star. Mm-hmm. And so picking the right one, of course, is the hard part. But situationally, talent-wise, the fact that he was a top ten pick, you know, all the all the you're, he's checking a lot of boxes basically on like what you're looking for for a breakout receiver. And so if he can stay healthy. Um, I think he definitely has the ability to outplay his ADP, outplay where we've got it ranked at wide receiver 31. Um, I could see him being like a top 15 guy. But um, but yeah, there's, of course, just question marks about the offense again and um, whether he is going to start the season healthy. Like I, I haven't heard the latest on his knee other than basically they're looking to get him going for week one. 
Yeah, he should he should be okay by week one. I'd be surprised if he plays again on Saturday in their mm-hmm. final preseason game. But all all signs are, I think, positive that he will be good to go for the regular That's season. Good. Yeah, yeah. First um, catch. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm I'm all here for it because I see the thing about this offense that's going to be so interesting is the versatility. Like Cordero Patterson, tall, Drake London, yep. tall, Kyle Pitts, tall, but they can play inside and outside. These are yeah. guys that both Drake London and Kyle Pitts can line up, if not necessarily in line, like right in that tight slot split. And both guys can attack down the middle of the field in these cover two looks like they can mm-hmm. get really interesting. But I think that this offense is either going to be the type that is like highly efficient and can sustain multiple good fantasy players, or it's just going to be really tough sledding and it's going to be like plotting methodical. You're going to see a lot of like 21, 24 games. And and there's just not a ton here week to week to count on. Hopefully Drake London can, you know, persist through that and, and carry some week to week value. Is there a good player comp that we have for Drake London? Because it seems like some of these bigger guys, your Mike Evans, um, you know, not that he's explosive as DeAndre Hopkins, but like, right. you know, kind of these contested catch stars, they either feel like they're top 10 consistent wide receivers or you get some of these guys who kind of don't have that necessarily athletic, necessary athleticism to really break free at, you know, at least a decent level. And, and then they yeah. kind of peter out. Where is there a good fantasy comp that you have for Drake London? I mean, the definite high end comp for me was Mike Evans, just like watching mm-hmm. him play in college. Yeah. It was somewhat similar. Obviously, they're not the same size. He's a little bit skinnier and slimmer right. um, than Mike Evans was coming in. But just I don't know, the stylistically, they they felt pretty similar to me. And I think like the thing that people always talk about with um, with route running and separation is you, you don't necessarily have to get open early in your route. Like it helps to get open early in your route if you're doing like a really quick West Coast style offense where you're like three step, five step drop and get the ball out and catch the ball and go. But Drake Lennon was very good at separating late too in his routes. And that's something that Mike Evans does great. And so mm-hmm. um, using your length and your size and your strength to kind of like create that little bit of separation right when the ball's arriving, like you don't need to be wide open in the NFL. Like very few NFL right. players get wide <laughs> open. And so I kind of saw that as a similar style, um, you know, like player, but you know, there's obviously a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of low end comps too that are scary and you definitely <laughs> don't want, uh, you know, you don't want to get comped to a guy like, I don't know, G, uh, JJ or stake Whiteside. He like came yeah. to the NFL, big guy, catch point prowess. Like he, like I was actually very excited about him coming into the NFL and, um, he just couldn't put it all together. Like number one, he even, he has even been pretty terrible at catch point, like stuff like contested catch stuff, which is like kind of one of his calling cards and in college, he just hasn't done it in the NFL in, in addition to like not being able to separate or, or, you know, do anything else. But, um, so I, like there's a huge out, there's a huge range of outcomes here, I think with him, but I'm, I'm definitely way more confident that he'll be, you know, like he's even kind of similar a little bit to like a Michael Pittman t- style. Yeah. Receiver. So obviously former teammates, <laughs> you know, the production he was able to put up with, I, I don't, so was, were Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown all, and him all on the same field at the same time? Like I'm fuzzy on all the timelines, of course, but um, like going up and yeah. playing with those types of guys, he was still able to, uh, you know, carve his, his role out in the, in the offense. Um, obviously this past year, he didn't play with them, but like earlier in his career. And so right. I don't know. I just think, you know, he is, uh, he's a dynamic, versatile type guy who can use his size after the catch at the catch point, but he's also like a very good route runner. So I'm not too worried about the bus potential. Of course, he, all these guys come with some bus potential. Um, 
but I think it's a good fit for him. I think it's a, um, a good situation for him to, to be a high volume type guy, immediate opportunity. And, and like I said, all, he checks a lot of the boxes. I definitely think he does. And, and I'm bullish on, on Drake London. Uh, I, I think he is much closer to that Mike Evans comp. And I mean, when I saw him running screens and jet sweeps at mm-hmm. USC, I was like, all right, this dude can clearly move. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. they clearly think that he can, he can uh, run after the catch a little bit. So I'm not too worried about his athleticism. Um, no. Real quick, because, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to necessarily be a fantasy relevant player, but is the best case scenario for Marcus Mariota, let's assume that he starts 14 games this season, kind of like best case scenario version of Marcus Mariota within reason. Is he worth drafting at any point? Um, well, in a two quarterback league, yeah. For sure. In a, in a one quarterback league, I mean, he's probably more of like, a, let's see how it goes in week one and then pick him up on waivers because I don't think you need to draft him to still get him. Of course, if you'd yeah. rather skip that whole process, you could take him with your last pick and see how it goes. <laughs> I think the one, I mean, obviously the one the one variable that's most important here is like, is he going to be running a lot? Is, right. Even if he's just scrambling a lot, that's really good for fantasy. Um, I mean, we saw like Jalen Hurts, he definitely got a ton of uh, rushing yards on design runs, but he was scrambling a lot too. And picking up yards... On broken plays, and and I mean we've seen Mario to do that. He's fast, um, you know. He's he's very sleek. He's kind of like got like gazelle like speed. He just kind of he, <laughs> he he's does. faster than you think, you know. And Deceptive speed. <laughs> God, I didn't mean to like allude to uh, to that, but yes, um, he does have deceptive speed. But yeah, I mean I don't know. He I think if he's scrambling a lot, if he's uh, producing some explosive plays in his offense on play action, like you know, there's definitely. Um, you know, I think it's definitely possible that he has fantasy value because of the Konami code, like the the rushing ability. The uh, rushing yards are worth more than passing yards. Yeah. Uh, rushing touchdowns are worth more than passing touchdowns for quarterbacks. That's why we call it the cheat code. And I mean, if he's rushing and running a lot and, and scoring a handful of red zone touchdowns, like, yeah, he's going to definitely be worth keeping an eye on in fantasy. But it's been a long time. He, you know, obviously has not been a successful starter in the past. Like on a long-term basis. And so there's a lot of question marks here, but like, you know, you never know. I mean, like this offense could really kind of like invigorate him and um, just might work out. Yeah. The rushing thing is definitely a big positive. I was surprised to see his highest rushing output in a season was 2018, only 357 yards. But I I think, I think he'll top that if he plays enough games this year. So that's definitely something that should help. Last question before I let you get out of here. Um, just so we don't make it all about the Falcons, who are four guys that people should feel good about Ooh. their draft if they close out whatever browser they're using at the end of their draft and they know <laughs> they got these four guys on their team? Who are um, who are some guys that they should feel good about? I'll just rattle off a few of my favorites here. Saquon Barkley, I really like. We kept we keep moving him up. We can't like help it. <laughs> um, Saquon Barkley, just too talented. CD Lamb. I mean, this is like Saquon Barkley in the first CD in the second. That's to me the dream draft. Um, I'm excited about Travis Etienne from the Jags. Obviously, he's going to be sharing snaps with uh, James Robinson, but he is, to me, like picture the DeAndre Swift of this season kind of deal. Like mm-hmm. he's going to be more pass catcher, more passing downs are going to be trailing a lot, most likely. Um, and then let's go down the list here. I'm on Ross St. Brown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy, to me, he's just like so good. And he's obviously smooth, has man. a huge connection with uh, Jared Goff. I think this offense is going to be better this year than they were last year by a pretty big clip. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to be the go-to guy. Last year, there was a stretch there, like a, like a six or five, six-week stretch where he was like literally the wide receiver too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you can get him right now like in 
fourth, fifth, sixth round. So I'm taking that all day. Was that four? Did I name four? Yes, I, I did. I think so. I think you got it with Amon Ra there. Um, awesome, man. Danny, thank you so much. Everybody, please go follow Danny on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Go check out all of his great stuff at The Ringer. Honestly, their fantasy draft guide uh, has helped me win redacted number of leagues over the years. <laughs> uh, so definitely check it out and have it uh, pulled up. Anything else that I'm forgetting, Danny, that you want to let people know that you've got coming down the pipe? Uh, no, just... Check us out. Check me out at theringer.com. I do some writing there as well. Um, but yeah, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show podcast and the Ringer Fantasy Draft Guide slash Ringer Fantasy Rankings, which we'll have updating throughout the season. Heck yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Danny. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. That will do it for today's show. I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation with Danny Kelly. Um, please go check out all of his stuff over at the Ringer. Um, you know, I'm not sure how many Falcons players are going to go off the board in fantasy drafts this year. Certainly Kyle Pitts, certainly Drake London, Cordero Patterson seems like a decent bet, but I think better things are on the horizon for the Falcons in terms of fantasy. But this is a show that I'm going to try to bring you guys every year. I'm huge into uh, fantasy football. I've been playing, um, you know, ever since I was probably 11, 12 years old back when I think Rudy Johnson was my very first, um, first round pick running back Cincinnati. Remember those days fondly. So I'm always going to try to incorporate some sort of fantasy football element um, when I can in the show. But no, the real football is what you guys are really here for. And we've got some big news coming on that front tomorrow. The roster cutdown day is here. That 4 p.m. deadline looms for the Falcons and teams across the league. So Tomorrow morning, you will find my official 53-man roster prediction after all three preseason games, after seeing you know a handful of practices up there in Flowery Branch. I am comfortable making um, most of these calls, but we're going to dive into a few that got really, really tough as this has been a pretty um, inspiring preseason. So going to dig all into all of that, you'll have that first thing uh, Tuesday morning and then in the afternoon, whenever he is free, Josh Kendall of The Athletic is going to be swinging by to help me react to the 53-man roster news for Atlanta. We're going to be diving into some decisions that they made over others, any surprise um, cuts or surprise makes on the 53-man roster, and then kind of the strategy behind certain positions, the numbers they're carrying there as opposed to others. It's going to be a great conversation. Josh is really um, smart and sharp, I think, about all of this stuff, so I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to break all of that down with him. But please keep this episode in your back pocket if you want to return to it before your fantasy draft. Wanted to get it out there uh, kind of the week that I think a lot of drafts start. And certainly they will continue on up until the opening kickoff of the very first NFL game. So keep this in your back pocket. Refer to it as needed. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode, which is presented by Bet Online. Let your friends know where they can find us, like, and subscribe where applicable. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. A lot of news coming out tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Football is officially here. I feel comfortable saying that. And as always, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.